episode of season two, episode 49 of JB to the Bros. I'm Jack Vecchio, and my ongoing partner, the man who cannot be stopped, no matter what we do to lock him out of his house, to keep him from getting to the meeting, to disconnect his Wi-Fi, he shows up for every single show, still hasn't missed a show, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey. Corey, how are you, my friend? I am doing fantastic. Just trying my best Cal Ripken uh, <laughs> impression going on there. Cal Ripken, uh, I don't know, Pete Rose, Joe DiMaggio, any uh, any long-term person you want to throw out there. As long John as it's Adam. not Wally Pip, we're good. Yes, as long as it's not him. Man, we're really <laughs> off on the rails on this one, guys. But I'll be, well, you Paco, know, do you know who Wally Pip is? He was a famous ball player, I'm assuming. You know why he's famous? Tell me why. He's famous because he took a day off. <laughs> he literally took a day off in like 1920. He took a day off and never played baseball again. He literally showed up to the ballpark hungover, told the, told the manager of the Yankees that he was kind of not feeling good and he needed a day off. And the manager said, Lou Gehrig, go in and play first. And Gary uh-huh. played the next 2,130 games in a row. <laughs> and he became known as Wally Pip. The reason you never take a day off work, Wally Pip is the reason that Lou Gehrig is Lou Gehrig. And Wally Pip is a footnote. <laughs> did, I, did I compress that? Well, that was a, that was a good compression, Corey. That was very good. And that's why yeah. I'm not going to take a day off. Because I don't know, there could be a Lou Gehrig out there to take my place. So. Well, I'd rather have Wally Pip disease than Lou Gehrig disease, that's for sure. Yeah, well, they're not naming any diseases after Wally Pip. Yeah, it's called unemployment. <laughs> yeah, slackeritis. So what have you guys been up to this past week? Well, Corey has to introduce who all his other uh, teammates. There you go, Robin. See, every every time I try to do that, Paco freezes for a moment. Like, what didn't just happen? The deer in the headlights. Well, I will tell you that the Queen of Queens is not is not going to be on the show tonight. She actually has another obligation, but the uh, Queen of Queens is is around in spirit, but she won't be here personally. Now, uh, you by got, spirit, you do you mean the room next door? You got Robin with a Y in the nest? I have Robin with a Y in the nest here, for sure. Hello. Hi, Robin. <laughs> Hello. And that's everybody. So. Hey, what about the resident wino here? Oh, and we have our technical genius, Mr. Foster Brooks. Hey. She doesn't know. <laughs> no, I she doesn't know. <laughs> he doesn't know that reference. Foster Brooks made a career out of being an acting as an actor, as a drunk, Boston Brooks <laughs> pretended to be drunk for his whole career. Hi, everybody. This is uh, not Foster Brooks. This is Paco, the last man standing, Silva, reporting live down here in beautiful Chula Vista, California. And I'm enjoying some... What room are you in? What room am I in? <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. Wait a second. Paco, Corey will back me up on this. You saying you're in Chula Vista is like the angels saying they're in L.A. They're no. in L.A. and you're not in Chula Vista. Okay. LA I am in Chula Vista. Is, L.A. is Chula Vista. East Lake is Anaheim. 
Oh, God, come on. <laughs> well, first of all, Anaheim's in a whole different county. And uh, second of all, uh, this is my spot, Jack. So, you know, get back to your side of the room. Anna, Anaheim is a much more polished version of L.A., I'll tell you that. And East Lake, where you are, is a definitely a polished version of Chula Vista. You know, it's not as polished Agreed. as you think, Jack. Well, you should have just wrote that wave. <laughs> yeah, Paco, enjoy the fact that I'm giving you a compliment. It's, right. It's the high end of Chula Vista for sure. It's where the affluence live. You mean the I drug dealers? <laughs> Chula Vista has a harbor and you guys have a lake. That should say it all. Technically, it's a reservoir, but yeah. Okay. Um, all right. No more complimenting Paco. So, Robin with a Y, what have you been doing this past week? A little bit of this and a lot of bit of that. You know, oh, cool. you, you know about this and that? <laughs> He's, he's been my uh, my steadfast sidekick through it all. Huh. He is this and that. <laughs> Corey, what have you been, Corey, what have you been up to this past week, Ben? I have wrapped up my third volume of Tales of the Unexpected. And so, so it's being edited, all that fun stuff. And, we need uh, a big round of applause there, Paco. Yes. <laughs> slow clap, slow clap. <laughs> now, so Corey. Up, um, uh, hold, hey, no, we got. We had... be, hang on for a second. Hang on for a second. Wrapping it up, and then it's going to. Uh, I'm going to be talking to my uh, artist, cover artist, and we'll get that going. And then pretty soon, it will be available for folks. Just don't read it in the dark. It's too scary. Now, Corey, let, I have a two-part question question for you. When is the book tour, and are we talking movie rights? Oh, We will okay. be. At some point. At some point. We will see. I have a couple of uh, projects that I'm working on around those things, but can't talk about it right now. Top so we'll secret, see. folks. Will they we'll be on that. HBO Max soon, or is, that's not going to exist if after oh, the lawsuit? You know Paco. Paco, it's called oh, no. Nanya. Nanya Business. <laughs> he didn't understand when I said... He doesn't need to know. Yeah. Well, he didn't understand when I said uh, a couple of projects in the works can't talk about it right now. Didn't under, he right. didn't understand that. So, you folks, funny. So, folks, yes. Hang on for you one second. You know what's funny? Is when I tell him I can't talk about it until we have permission from the production company, he shuts right up because it's already too complicated. But yeah. you're a nice guy, and he's like trying to get, get information out of you. Pretty much up to speed on what everybody did in the past week. And Paco did the same thing last week as he's done the week before. And <laughs> it's 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 almost like when they take somebody off off the machinery in the hospital. <laughs> so Corey, let's go in, let's go into our itinerary for the day. What do you got going on? Let's lead us off. Set it up on the tee and let's take the first swing at it. Take the swing at it. I think a lot of people are gonna be taking swings at this lockdown that we have going on now, which is as bad as it was, it seems like back in April. And it's like we tail we took 
five steps forward and now we've taken we've taken five steps backwards so here we are Corey, you know the people outside of california that listen to the show are unaware that throughout the state there was a text sent all at the same time and basically the text said everybody go home stay there unless you're essential like it was it was almost like it was april all over again yes you know and i was working today and all of a sudden and i was you know doing my driving gig and all of a sudden it was just me covering three parts of the county by myself everybody signed out i was like oh my god so normally i take care of probably 10 or 12 you know runs in the day i did 21 today and and i could have done another 21 it was just ridiculous but everybody in the state got the same text and it was just like the, the sky is falling we're coming to the edge of the earth it is flat we're gonna fall off go home and stay there you know i'm concerned for obviously the people that have the virus you know our thoughts and prayers go out to the people that have it and the family members and and loved ones but I'm also concerned about the business owners and people that are not considered essential workers that are once again stuck at home. And I mean, what do you do? I mean, how is this going to impact people going forward? How long can, can, can we keep people at home not working? I, I, don't, think, I don't think it can be endless. I don't think you could sit there and say, okay, we're going to do this for six months. Here's the other problem. Other countries are, are certainly more disciplined and more willing to stay home for extended periods of time. But in America, we're really used to staycationing, vacationing, traveling at will, going places on a whim. And we're really not built for this. I mean, you know, I, I you're right. Say, but we're not built for a, a pandemic. <laughs> well, we're not even built for the little things. You know, um, one of the few times that I was at the gym during this pandemic, and I think over the last six months or so, I've gone to the gym maybe seven times, if that. And so I was watching a guy with the machines, supposedly wiping it down, and the guy didn't wipe it down. So I confronted him about it, and he got all out about it. What did he say? And I, he got upset, and he said that he didn't. And I said, no, I said, I've been watching you for five minutes, and I know because I'm getting ready to use the machine that you were going to use, so I know for a fact that you didn't wipe it down. He's like, yes, I did. Yes, I did. And I said, no, you didn't. Wipe it down. So he went ahead and got a um, a paper towel and wiped it down. But see me, I carried in my gym bag. I had a very I have a very small gym uh, gym bag. I had cloth towels, um, and I had a can of Lysol. So I sprayed the Lysol before and after my entire time in uh, in the gym. And of course I had gloves and of course a mask. Now Corey, but, um. 
what gym do you go to? Like a local one or a chain? Well, you're, it, it's the, it's I'm not going to say the gym. Right. I'm not going to say the gym and call out the gym. The point is, is that that's what the gentleman did. And there were other people who have done that. And I would talk to them. Then you go to grocery stores. This is the other thing that I, that actually is really a pain in the neck for me. And you'll have the individual that has to touch everything. So if there's a row of yogurts, they have to go through and grab each yogurt and touch it with their bare hands and then put it back in that box. It's kind of like that scene in Clerks when the guy is going through one milk after another looking for that milk that'll never expire. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know, give me a break. And so now, do you, do you, you know, say like, something to somebody in the store that's touching yes, everything? Said, yes. And I've said very nicely, can you please not touch um, everything? You know, I'm very nice about it. I'm very nice when I tell people to back off, give me um, six feet. And then people have, have the nerve to get indignant over it. Like I've just, like I have just urinated in their cup of coffee. So, I mean, so we have that. So we have people that are so petty and so childish, they can't even handle that. And so that's why we're where we're at. And then the unfortunate thing is, is that we're penalizing a lot of these business owners. Now, there are a few businesses here where I live that have now shut down. They've closed permanently just because they can't make the rent. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I mean, this thing it is such a volatile situation that um, I'll give you an example. We're, we're actually doing the show tonight while uh, the Cowboys are playing the Ravens in that makeup game that was because right. of COVID. So everyone right. knows who Des Bryant is. And Des Bryant, the wide receiver, showed up, was goofing around with the media, talking and everything, and he had a COVID test that came back inconclusive. So while he was getting ready to suit up and he was with his teammates before the game, they tested him again, and they got a strong positive, and they had to remove him with security and medical staff and get him out of – so he he gets out of there and tweets, I'm going home to have some wine. I don't know which way is up or something like that. But you just don't know where, where the spark is going to start a fire in regard to this COVID. It's just yeah. such – it's such a wild – X factor. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you just yeah. don't know, man. And and no, and if no. you t and I have no trouble, I have no trouble asserting myself with people that I think might be either stepping over the line or flat out breaking the rules. I have no problem saying something. I'll tell you something interesting. One of the hotels that I deal with has a um, old coffee bar set up, right? Hey, Jeff, what hotel do you deal with? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you, Paco. Um, but they have a whole coffee bar set up. And it's very normal, but it's very, it's very COVID conscious. Everything from the cups being wrapped individually to the 
milks and the and the sweeteners and everything being individual. Here's where here's where I question something. You know the stir sticks. The stir sticks are yeah. in a large metal cup thing, but there's like a thousand of them in there. And in order to get one, you literally have to touch like ten to get one out. Like you have to fiddle around with your fingers to get one out because there's so many in there. You yeah, I wouldn't see. I wouldn't touch that. I wouldn't. You touch can't that. just dispense one because they're all yeah. standing upright, and you got to stick your finger in there to get one out. You can't help but to touch four or five at least. And I'm thinking, how could they have done everything except that? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, I, I mean, look, it was just three weeks ago. I commented to commented to Robin with a Y there's a certain um, place that I'm not going to name that uh, that was like had a small dance was a small dance club and it was open and there were people in there dancing and I could look and see no masks on so I, I'm like so what is that all about so then we have that it's obvious that that stuff is going to spread to me, I'm not I'm not surprised at all that we're in the purple. So we had massive Halloween parties, right? And then right after that, you had all of the parades going on here and celebrations for um, the uh, the presidency. And then you had Thanksgiving. And believe me, things will spike again for Christmas and then New Year's. Because people aren't going to, people don't want to give up their fun and don't want to sacrifice just a little bit. It, it is strange that people are looking at it like, if this is, if this is the way we have to live, this isn't living. I'm just going to live how how I feel like I want to live, and whatever happens happens. I don't think until people that have gotten COVID try to explain to people that haven't gotten it. When they try to explain, you don't want this. It's horrible. That and also the people that uh, that I've heard say that are the ones that still have jobs. Yep. See? Yeah. So it's very easy when you're an essential worker to say, ah, I don't, I, what's all the fuss about? When they're getting the paycheck and they have the health care. I mean, think about it. You have a lot of people out there now that are out of work and laid off, and all of them don't have health care. So that's a problem. So that's a problem. Yeah. So if, if we just take it seriously and sacrifice a little bit, I mean, look, both of you know, all of you know that um, we have a garage bar, all set up, very nice, you know. Looks like a bar with all the games and things like that. And we're used to inviting people over and, have, and having gatherings. How irresponsible would that be if we just opened it up and said, hey, everybody come on in? And I have, and you know what? As tempting as it has been, I have not asked to come over and play air hockey or foosball, but you've got a great man cave. And yeah, it, would be fun. it would be fun to do. It would, it would be fun to do our show from there. Yeah. And you know, and one day we one day we will, but you know, and even if we tested ourselves, there would be people, and rightly so, that would call, that would call the police on us 
because we had a gathering down. So we just have to sacrifice a little bit and then we can come out of this. And then I want people to go back to work because I do worry for people. I worry for the people that have the virus and I also worry for people that aren't working. And I feel for them. Yeah. People that don't have I mean, don't have jobs. It's a scary, it's a scary thing. The disregard, I mean, I I I drove a party in the bus, and it's a good thing my cab is completely enclosed, but I yeah. drove a, a group of twenty-five year olds, and there were twenty-five of them, and they were twenty-five year olds, and there was no mask, there was no social distancing, there was bumping and grinding, dancing. There was people climbing all over each other. They were sharing drinks. I mean, every rule that could be broken and nobody had a mask. And and they partied till three in the morning. Saturday. Oh. Right. Massive. I'm telling you, for Halloween, there were massive parties and gatherings, especially here. I don't know about where you guys live, but massive things going on. Well, you and I, you and I were at a, we were at a dinner party. Um, yeah. Yeah. In another County, but we're at a dinner party and nobody, it might as well have been 2018 at that party. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, true. So yeah, I don't know that I, I, I don't know what it's going to take, but you know, this is like beating a dead horse. So let's see. Um, yeah. You know, let, let, we just, I mean, we're doing our due diligence by by putting it out there and kind of being a reminder, but there's only so much. I mean, people are going to have to recognize the, the actual threat. I mean, I yeah. know at one point you and your wife actually quarantined away from each other within the same house. Yes, and we had colds and we had to wait until we were tested. But yes, she was uh, she was upstairs. I was downstairs. Right. And you know, I, I just thought, I thought, boy, that's that is true respect for the situation. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and it certainly wasn't easy, you know, who's going to use the, you know, like, who's going to use the kitchen? And I would call her on the phone and say, hey, um, are you going to be in the kitchen? I'm going to be in the kitchen for about 15 minutes. I'll make sure everything is bleached down when I'm done. I mean, we bleached everything down. Because well, we you guys know, don't live in the Bill Gates mansion. You guys were calling each other. You didn't just yell from upstairs. Get an intercom system. Wow. Corey, will you please come down? I need some. Yeah, uh, sending sending notes in a dumbwaiter, you know. No, I mean, we couldn't. I mean, I yeah, I mean, for the people that are listening, yeah, we live in a townhouse, but still, I mean, no, I wasn't going to be yelling, you know. It was, just, it was just easier to call and just say, hey, you know, I'm going to be in the kitchen. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Producer Karen, when she goes out, um, I know she has a genuine concern everywhere she goes because she's diabetic. She, I mean, yeah. this thing can wipe her out in no time. No. So, anyway, let's 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 stop. That's a good place. We'll take a little break, and then we'll we'll come in and we'll go to chapter two of season two, episode forty nine of JV and the Pros. Corey, we'll take a couple minute break. And we'll zing back yeah. in Yeah, we'll take a break. And before we get to our um, the one topic, I have an update for uh, you guys on something that I've been tracking for a little while. So I'll throw that wait, out. Wait, wait, and wait. You've, been, you've been tracking it? Is it, is it your yeah. airline? 
No, it's not my hairline. I'm losing. I'm losing that battle. <laughs> so if the hair, if it's the hairline, forget it. I've lost that battle. I I've lost sight. It, the I war was over it. before it started. It was like Vietnam. I, I, I've lost sight. I've lost sight of the hairline. So that I'm not. Corey, sure. There was I no light at the end of your tunnel, Corey. Is that what you're trying to tell Corey, us? I wish I could give you. I could give you some of mine because I'll tell you what. There are there are mornings I get up and I'm like, oh my god. I'm going to be drying this for a while. Like, I just, yeah, I, what a nice I wish problem. I could share with you. What a nice problem to have, but you're no, right. No, it's, not, it's, it's so time consuming. Be careful yeah. what you wish for. Yeah. Boo hoo. All right. We'll take, a, <laughs> we'll take a break. We'll take a break and then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll come back and I'll uh, tell you what, what I've been tracking. All right. You got it. Hey, I got, I got some more that, um, CBD oil, the RVD CBD oil, and oh, uh, man, I, need it. I did a, I did a bicycle ride the other day, and my 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 back, my my glutes. I mean, I was that stuff. That stuff is amazing. It's like a miracle. You know, I did push-ups the other day, and my elbow was killing me because you know I've had elbow problems for the longest time now. I put it on, and then it went away. And I'm like, wait a minute, how is this possible? Like one of those containers literally has like a thousand applications in there. You only need a dot. <laughs> like it's like a dot. <laughs> I'm bathing myself in that, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, you can order it by the gallon, but yes. I'll tell you what, I, I love the fact that, you know, the they, they give the, the, the discount. If any of JV pros, you know, one word, they'd give it it's at least ten percent discount um for placing an order and putting JV pros in there. That's that's great. But even if they didn't give a discount, this is this is such a great product. RVDCBD.com. It's six letters. RVDCBD.com. You want to get rid of sore joints, sore backs, sore shoulders, knees. You got something that's sore in you. You rub some CBD oil from RVDCBD.com. And you put in JB Pros, all one word, in the discount bar. And you'll get at least 10% off. RVD, CBD, we strongly recommend. And we're back after a strong PSA in the first half. We managed to get season two, episode 49, off to quite a start. We were trying to alert everyone, as Paul Revere would have done, <laughs> telling everybody, wear masks, social distancing, stop touching all the food, stop doing everything wrong, stop breaking the rules, this thing could be behind us. New Zealand was done with this in eight weeks. We can do it too. So we're going to move on from that and stop screaming and yelling. Um, I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey. Corey, let's shift gears and move on. What do you want to talk about? So let me give you a quick update on the Fort Hood situation. Oh. As all of you know, that's, as all of you know, that's something that's been near and dear to me, being a vet myself. And, and all of us. I mean, all of us yeah. have been just flabbergasted by this whole situation. Well, here's the thing. Um, there's light at the end of the tunnel now. So there has been a fact-finding committee that was outside of the military that actually went in, and they came up with 70 
recommendations for the base. And what and the other thing that has happened is 14 leaders, the 14 main leaders of the base, now are being punished, relieved of command, out, kicked out, gone. And let me let me and, ask you something before you go on. Yes. This entity comes in. They are not part of the military. It's not like these guys are monitoring and managing and overseeing themselves. This is someone who is completely removed, who is seeing this as objectively as possible. Correct? That's right. And okay. that's what they so need to do. They yes. come in and they're making certain changes. One of the biggest questions that I have that I would like answered, and I don't know if you have this in your story, because you and I, I've been working so much and you've been working so much. We haven't had a chance to talk about this. But my question is, where is the answers and the justification for why this has gone on so long and it's gone on for years? Yes, that is a great question. And it's funny that you, well, not funny, but interesting that you say that. No, it's because funny because I rarely ask good questions. <laughs> but the family of Vanessa Gillian and Gillian, and if everybody is aware, of, she's the uh, young soldier that disappeared April 22nd and then wasn't found until June 30th. And she was murdered by uh, a fellow soldier. But this is someone who had complained about sexual harassment for months and nothing was done. So the family of Vanessa, they had pretty much said, and I'm going to paraphrase, they said, well, this is a great, this is a great first step, but we need to do a lot more. There needs to be legislation in place so that this stuff doesn't happen again. And then you have families of, of soldiers that have disappeared, and things still aren't resolved for them. So um, you're right, Jack. This is just the first step. You needed to get those people out. So I'm glad that they did that. And then the 70 recommendations, they haven't released all of those things yet. But the first step was getting out the bad leadership. All right. Now, now I have a, I have a backup question that is okay. actually linked to my first question. And usually yeah. I get goofy with this stuff, but I'm actually very emotional about this story. And my second question is, I'd like to know if or whether or not or when criminal charges will be brought against these leaders who either turned a blind eye or knew what was going on and did nothing about it. Um, it's been my experience that it is very difficult with high-ranking military officers to get criminal charges against them. It has been my experience. Okay, you know, that's that's a fair answer. It's yeah. it's it's a it's a, an unjust and it it's, proof yeah. of a, it's proof of a of a two tier you know system of justice in the military. Whereas a private probably they'd have no trouble throwing that guy into the volcano. But sure. if it's a general, then they're going to be like, okay, we're not sure we want to prosecute a general. Yeah, I mean, look, people get upset and they think it's difficult to. Um, fire and lock up police officers, try a high-ranking uh, military officer. It is very difficult to do that. I mean, they're an entity 
in and of itself and governed by people that wear the same uniform. So think about that. So it's like being protected. Yes. Yeah. So Esther, Marco. Yeah. No. Well, sorry to interrupt, but like there have been oh, so for example, like Oliver North in the eighties with the Ron Contra. I mean, yeah, it was a scandal, and his military career was ruined as a result. But now he's a commentator on Fox and Friends. Or um, can you think of other examples where a military career ended in shame? Oh, okay. Petraeus, former general himself. Hang, he, hang on a second, Paco. Ollie North was exploited by Fox because he had no place to turn. They got him for a song and a dance to go on because he still was a name. That's the only reason he's still making any money is because they were able to get him on the cheap. Other than that, people weren't fascinated by him. They realized that he was a pawn. They realized that he was just part of of the system with Reagan and, and Bush and all that. People realized what that he was following orders, and even though he should have pushed back, he didn't. He went along with the program. So I I don't I, you know, I, I don't think I mean, Schwarzkopf should have been brought up. I mean, these guys all knew what was going on, and and this thing kind of got swept under the rug. If you've ever seen the movie Made in America with Tom Cruise, Barry Seal was exploited by the Reagan administration until they had no further use for him. And then they just threw him to the wolves by telling the the drug cartels that he was the one that took all those pictures with hidden cameras. And then he was all but a dead man at that point. Yeah, so pulling um, pulling it back to what I was saying, you know, most of the time you're not even gonna hear if a Navy chief or captain, if something happens to them because we have our own newspapers, Army Times, Navy Times. Stars and Stripes. So that will be in those papers, but it's not going to be in the regular papers. You're not going to know who that is. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a different, it's just, it's a different way of life, I've got to tell you. But so much has happened at Fort Hood that, and the families, and, you know, I'm so happy with the families, the family of Vanessa and the others, because they're not taking no for an answer. And they're fighting, they're going to DC. You know, they've sat down with the president. You know, they've done so many different things. And so they're really making some changes. And the other thing that the committee came up with, they said that it's an entire environment of sexual harassment. You know, and that, here's my that, thinking on it because apparently it's been going on for decades. Right. And so, and yeah, so Clinton, Bush, Obama, Trump, everyone knew, and nobody did anything. Well, you know, here's the thing: uh, with the presidents, they're not necessarily even going to know what goes on 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 every base. The power of a base commander, he controls the flow of information. So in other words, he deals with the public affairs officer and the public affairs uh, officer, you know, they're going to put out a lot of fluff and tell you, for the most part, things are really good. And move so along. move along, nothing to see here. Move along. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You're you not going to you're not going to piss off the base. Commander. That's an interesting quandary because it, it really shows how much authority the, the executive really actually holds. It's like the dilemma, like, um, 
every president when he's rushing when he's uh, sworn into office or when the transition begins, a lot of people online they chat up like, "Is he going to talk about UFOs?" But as, here's an interesting question: If the president wanted to go to Area 51, would he be allowed? Would he, could he do it if he wanted to, or he would probably be stopped cold by somebody in the Pentagon? Yeah, he would go, but he would have to maintain confidentiality. So yeah, he could go. I'm sure that they're aware of certain things. I, I think they, I think they kind of danced on that line when you watch that movie Independence Day, when Bill Pullman is introduced to Area 51 and claims he had no idea what was going on there, and they said it was, it was. Uh, Deniable accountability or something? Plausible deniability. Yeah, yeah. Plausible yeah, deniability. But... Yeah, so as long as you don't know, you can't possibly look like you're lying about it. Yeah, and the other thing is this. They simply don't have to tell the president. So the president doesn't have time to run to the bases. Understand this. In this country alone, there are 5,000 military bases. Overseas, there are 600 military bases. He doesn't have time, the president does not have time to visit those bases and deal with the base commander. But wait a second, wait, Corey, Corey, hang on. If you got a base where soldiers are ending up missing or dead and 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 you got situations, that's a base you may want to stop by. But if you don't know it, if the base commander who who runs that, who is the power and that flow of information doesn't come out. I mean, think about how many uh, soldiers have disappeared and now we're knowing about it. Because yeah. now social media social media has blown up. But how over the years... How frightening yeah, is that? Yes. And so the president is not going to know that. And the other thing, too, that I will tell you guys that with Area 51, everyone seems to focus in on that. There are other bases that have that kind of stuff go on. Like Dubway proving gallons in Utah, folks have it. Folks have a tendency to focus in in on that, um, but no one knows what you know what goes on. I got I got to tell you, and I'd like to go on record as saying that I am not nearly as concerned or preoccupied with Area Fifty One as I yeah. am with wanting to know what's going on at NORAD ah. in Colorado. NORAD. Yeah seems to be Grand Central Station, especially when, uh, what's his name, stole that information and uh, they made the movie about him, Snowden. Wait, but Snowden yeah. didn't work at NORAD. He was an NSA contractor that was based out of Hawaii. I mean, that's a the no, whole... No, he was in Colorado. No, he was... Correct me if I'm wrong. When he was, when he, when he, flew, when he flew the coup, he was in Hawaii. Yes, yes, yes. I have to correct you. You're wrong. He was in Colorado at NORAD, and then and and then he snuck out the computer chips, and he snuck them out in a Rubik's cube of all things, and he managed to get enough information out to expose the American government, because the American government was clearly setting up these smart TVs to be able to look right back into your living room. Paco, tell me I'm wrong. I know you're looking it up. Every time you go silent, you're clicking away. Corey, do you understand? Corey, do you understand my concern with NORAD is I feel like NORAD 
has got a lot of stuff going on and they're really protect who has a train system underground like that. Right. And they don't invite anybody right. in to check it out. Right. But I, I'm going to tell you this. Um, and I've tried to tell people that talk to me about area 51. Certainly, um, you know, when I lived in Nevada, you know, there, there was a bit, there's always an interest. And I would tell folks, you're not going to be able to see anything. There's nothing to see there. And you have so many people that stand by the fence and drive up with the binoculars and sitting down and, and picnicking out there. How what? ridiculous, how ridiculous is it to think that you can just walk up to the boundaries of Area 51 and see something of value? How right. absurd is that? Yes. Other, All you're going to see is deserts. All you're going to see is being able to say you got that close. Other yeah. than that, there's nothing else to see. They're not putting anything on display. It's not like Christmas lights. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. There are a lot of bases that have um, that have things underground. And so, Marco, what did you find? Uh, I know you were looking. I up. was looking. Uh, yes, he did some work in NORAD. So you're happy, okay? No, but no. I was once again not left, but right. <laughs> yeah, but you got Jack. You have to understand. NORAD handles its North American air defense. He was in, in intelligence. That's basically like you know uh, Signal Corps and the Army. So they were just listening in. So they're completely separate. You also have to like the military is also very stratified, and you know how well, the military in general. So, you know, what goes on on, you know, on base in Fort Meade, no one in freaking in uh, Fort Orman's oh, going to yeah, know. You're, I understand what you're saying. It's very compartmentalized. Right. Very compartmentalized. I get that. But 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 Snowden was absolutely working at NORAD and knew that the American government was lying to everybody. And then he got that information out to prove it. So I would be more concerned with NORAD than Area 51. Frankly, I I don't care if they've captured aliens. I don't even care if they're still alive and they're living in Area 51. My concern when we go into outer space looking for intelligent life, my concern is the same concern I had when I was about 11 years old. When we were talking about how Star Trek was so interesting and going out looking for intelligent life, my concern is if we found intelligent life and it was more intelligent than us, all of a sudden, we are their slaves. And if it's less intelligent than us, all of a sudden, we got a whole bunch more on welfare. I, the only way it works is if we find somebody who's got an exact IQ of about 120. Other than that, it doesn't work for us to find intelligent life. Because if they sit there and they go, wow, there's 7 billion people there, they can do a bunch of our bidding. <laughs> you know what? I Listen, if you want to see, and I know we, we've got to move on from this. If you want to see, uh, this is for our listeners. If you want to see some strange things above ground, I would recommend people going to uh, the base in San Bernardino or the Mojave uh, Air and Space. And that's where you can go to the boneyards and see, you can see the boneyards from the highways. And that boneyards are the planes that are no longer in use. And I'll tell you, I have seen, I've seen boneyards and it is a freaky sight. 
You talk about Palmdale? Abandoned, abandoned planes all over the place. I haven't been, I haven't been to uh, Palmdale, uh, so I don't know anything about it. But there are a, f- there are a couple in California, a couple of boneyards in California, and that is a very scary sight just to see a graveyard of planes. That makes for an interesting picture, if so. But that's all you're going to see at those uh, at those bases. Well, I'll tell you, that's that's a that's a that's a good note to to end this on because that 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 is that does sum it up. Nobody nobody's visiting aliens at Area 51. Right. <laughs> There's no tours. No. <laughs> so, and all you're going to do, all you're going to do is get arrested. Seriously. The other thing. The other thing is. The only people making any money out there are the people selling souvenirs to goofy tourists. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think people realize how big Area 51 is. And no, how it's huge. What is, From, what, is, what is the span of 51? Is it like a mile by a mile? Well, is it 20 miles by... Um, I can clarify if no. you want, Corey. Well, okay. I mean, I was... I can clarify it, but go ahead. Okay, so Area 51, the origin of the name. Oh, come on, don't laugh. Let me explain. Come on. It's my time to shine, baby. I, I thought that exchange was so funny. I could clarify it, but go ahead, Paco, if you want to. So Area 51 is actually just a small patch of a larger uh, complex. So basically, Air For- uh, Nellis has a huge proving grounds, which, comes up, which covers most, if not the entire state of Nevada. And over the last 70-odd years of federal use, because it's all federally owned land, they've used it for everything from weapons testing to radar, signal intelligence, nukes back in the 50s. But uh, Area 51 is just a very small, uh, you know, little patch of land. That's where it got the name, because it's all squared off into areas, hence the name. Well, wait a second. When you say a small patch of land, are you talking a football field squared? We're talking about like hundreds of miles, so that's about probably about. 200. Oh my God! Are hundreds of miles? Yeah. Oh, I thought when I said, "Is it as much as twenty square miles?" I thought I overdid it. You are kidding. Hundreds of miles. To, just to put things in perspective, from that gate you see the one where everybody takes pictures at, like where they had the raid Area Fifty One thing two years ago, it will take another. It's another thirty miles just to the actual base itself. And uh, anywhere else, you can't get anywhere near the place to actually try to make an attempt. In fact, there was one place called Freedom Ridge, and that was a popular spot for people to, you know, try to do surveillance. But back in the 90s, the government bought the land. So now it's almost next to impossible to get a good, accurate shot, like, through photography of the actual base itself. How come people aren't, aren't, like, going out there with, like, a hundred drones at a time. Well, because just... actually they've, uh, they've even put uh, new signs to say no drones allowed and people have attempted to fly drones out there. And of course they get a, a visit from the sheriff's department oh. and they get fined like a thousand dollars. Jack, here's what I'll say. So we don't spend didn't tell me time. there was a sign. <laughs> here's a lot here. Here's so it's, it's restricted airspace. So you're not even allowed you're not even allowed to fly over. So, See how a few words work? Just in a few words. Restricted that, airspace. That was, that was very quick. That was very quick. I could have yeah. had so much more fun with this for a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole area is restricted. There is, I'll say it one last time. There is nothing to see out there. Nothing but desert. 
I don't know if I believe you. Nothing to see here. Move along. <laughs> Move along. Take, Move along. You know what? I'll take you. You know what? We'll do. We can do the show from right out there. You don't know. No, no, no not you do not that. want to go out there. Trust me. I've been out we're there. We're not doing that. That's too scary. That's the last so, place you want to get stuck. What? Why would? Why would we get stuck? Because it's only one road. It's like a two-lane road for two for literally a hundred miles. I went out there as a kid, I know, guys. I know, but we wouldn't take your car with no door handles. We Actually, I replaced the door there. handles for your information, okay? I know my way around a wrench. Yeah, we, we would go with cars that can go 30 miles. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't, we wouldn't take it. So yeah, anyway, that is... Uh, yeah, let's that wrap is it that. up. Um, on that, so anyway, that's, that's the situation with Vanessa. Um and the families, so I'm glad that there's the start, I'll say the start of closure. I I think this time next year, we will still be peeling this onion. Mm-hmm. It's only gonna, gonna get bigger and bigger. Well, we have, we have missing people. Let me do this, Corey, let me have this. When you peel an onion, it doesn't get bigger and bigger. It's an onion getting peeled, but it's got so many layers that it gets smaller <laughs> until you get to the middle where it all originates from. <laughs> it was good. Sometimes, sometimes it's not good to try to get the last word. Sometimes it's just good not to say anything at all. Sometimes you just open the door for me and I'm like, I'm not going to sleep tonight unless I have this fun. <laughs> so I'm pleased that this is the tip of the iceberg for some closure for the families. And so well done for the families, not giving up, not quitting, and continuing to push forward because all the soldiers, airmen, sailors are are gonna benefit from this. And we need to be aware of sexual harassment and the problem that we have in the military with it. So I'm glad that it's coming to light. So, all right, that's a good place to leave that and jump into a little truth is alien. And I was going to do, I had something to talk about with the truth is alien, but you know what? I'm doing a complete, I'm doing a U-turn. And I want to talk about and fire at you guys these monoliths that are appearing like all over the world. Now, I do think that some of these things are a bit of a hoax. I think that some people are putting it up. But my question is, why the hell are people putting up metal structures all over the world? Wait wait a second. Explain to the audience that doesn't, if they don't know what a monolith is, explain what it is so they can get a visual. Absolutely. So the monolith that I'm talking about is a tall metal structure approximately 10 to 15 feet high and probably about three feet across and just in the ground. They're popping up. They've popped up in Utah that I've looked it up, Nevada, Colombia, Great Britain, the Netherlands, Romania, and of course, um, here in Southern California and 
And just recently, we discovered that one has popped up in the Scripps Ranch Poway area. What? Oh, wow. Now, now, yeah. now I, don't know, I don't know these other areas intricately, but Scripps Ranch Poway area is only about 15 minutes from my house. And that area in particular is packed with cameras. I mean, if something were to be dropped off by an alien and not posed there by, by a human, I would think that they would be able to get footage on that. I'm not talking ring doorbell footage. I'm talking about like that whole area is a pretty affluent area and there yes, are cameras yes. everywhere. And I, well, you know, I don't know if it's, I, you know, I'm not going to say that it's aliens. I just want to know who's doing it and why. What is the purpose of doing it? What is this movement? It's, it seems to me that there's some particular movement that's going on. And what is the significance of the movement? That's what fascinates me. Is anything, is anything written on these things? There's been nothing written on it. Now, this uh, one in Poway, I'm going to tell you guys, I plan on, after the show, I plan on driving out there and taking a look to see if it's still there. Because some of the monoliths are disappearing. So since this just came up, I want to go out there and see it for myself with gloves and touch it and find out, take some pictures if it's still there and find out what is going on. See, this is what the truth is alien is all about. I want to, so when this show is over, I'm going out there to take a look. Well, I tell you what, um, first of all, I would look for those, uh, um, UPC codes from Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. But my, but here's the thing, though. What is the significance? What fascinates me is, and that's why I'm not saying that this is coming from aliens, what is the significance of doing this? Is this some group that are reaching out to each other all over the world via the Internet and saying, hey, listen, we're going to put up these um, tall metal structures? When did, when did this start? What's that? When did this start? Approximately two weeks ago. Oh, so this is really recent. This wow. is recent. And they're, and they're popping up all over the world. They're popping up all over the world. Okay, so you got, you got to wonder if this is not an organized effort. And that's what I'm thinking, that this is an organized effort, that it's probably people, contractors, somebody, that are reaching out and touching each other via the, uh, the Internet and saying, let's do this, let's freak people out. Yeah, but they're not just doing it in America. You said they're in right. Great Great Britain, which I don't know why it's great, but it's in Britain. But, I mean, you said there's other countries that have yes. this. Yes, Romania, Netherlands, yes. So what I'm saying is, if, this one is of these things, if one of these things popped up in Greenwich Village, New York, Honestly, people wouldn't think much of it because there's all sorts of artwork there. Yeah. But Romania, yeah, that's going to stand out. How did somebody in Romania make that effort? And they're all coming up in the last couple of weeks. I think it's a, I think it's a um, internet web group that's doing this, that's deciding to do this. 
And I think it's just a group from all over the world. Because look, um, there are people that I correspond with. There are fellow independent writers that I correspond with all over the world. And I have people in Israel. I have people in Britain, in Australia, that I deal with on a regular basis. And we exchange stories. We exchange ideas. We're a group of writers. And we write, sometimes we write things together, or I help individuals write some of their stories. So if you have a writer's group that's international, why can't you have just a group of people that want to get together and say, hey, listen, let's have some fun. Let's let's see if we can freak people out and let's build this stuff. Well, they're succeeding. This is a a grand worldwide effort. This This isn't a prank like the the Cardiff surfer where they dress up that statue every week in a bikini or a a tutu, and it's this big ongoing joke. This is a worldwide effort, and you're saying there's like a hundred of these, right? I don't know exactly how many. Um, I don't know. It could be 15. It could be 20, but they're all over the world. But here's the thing. We were just talking about the coronavirus. You have a lot of, you have people with a lot of time on their hands now. You you know, and when you have a lot of time on your hands, look, look, people are just hanging around and they're just thinking of ways that they can mess with people. You know, the expression idle hands. Yes. So I want to get out there and I want to see that it's real. And I could go out there and the thing could be gone or who knows. And maybe I'll see something that that will say Home Depot on it, you know, uh, home goods. I mean, who knows? So that's the point of all of this. You know, with the truth is alien, I talk about things that can't be explained, things that have gone on, things that are in other countries, things that I can't see and touch that I don't know anything about. That's why I plan on going out uh, and checking this out for myself because this is something that's legit. Now, I'm one who believes in life on other planets. I don't think this is from life on other planets. I think this is, like I said, a group of individuals internationally that are putting these things up. Now, the reason, I'm fascinated as to what the reason is. What is the significance of this? What point are they trying to make? So I'm hoping the people that have created these things them up and taking them down, that they're going to say what the reason is. Like, what is the significance of it? Well, at, so, one point, at one point, their efforts are going to have to be rewarded with a big revelation, a big reveal, you know? And if the reveal is, it's a girl, okay. I'm going to be upset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, I, here's the thing from uh, trying to put my finger on the pulse of everything. No one is really up in arms over these things. No one is really saying like, oh my goodness, aliens are coming down. You have a few people that are saying that, but I don't think this is picking up the traction that these folks might have hoped it would. So this is the first I've heard of it. And I literally am gonna have to look it up and figure out how to spell it. I mean, I'm, I'm that far removed from all this. Yeah, I mean, definitely look it up. Um, you know, it's in San Diego News. 
You know, now, let me tell you something, between... Corey. I deal with 120, 150 different people every day. Yeah. Most of which I've never met before. I've never heard anybody mention this. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't think it's that big of a deal. So whatever point they're trying to make, it's not working. It just it, it's not it, it's not working. They're trying to make a statement. It's not it's not working. So I agree. I agree. So I'm gonna go out there and decide for myself, and I will let everybody else know what's going on. But you know, once again, that's the truth is alien. And uh, signing off on on that segment. Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court, realized they have to face Paul Sorrentino, and immediately moved to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. And we're back with season two, episode 49 of JV to the Pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man, Ramsey. I'll tell you what, Corey. Now, we usually don't have that kind of lighthearted fun with The Truth is Alien. It's usually some pretty serious, you know, deep thought stuff. But that was actually, yeah. that was actually kind of interesting. Now, I, I think after you finish your investigation, you bring... Lieutenant Columbo with you. I'll bring Paco with me to Area 51, and we'll push start his automatic car and see if it gets going for 30 miles until we get out of sight from the military. But um, what, what do you say we shift gears, and uh, where do we go from here? <laughs> yeah, so um, let's, uh, for a couple minutes, let's just go into entertainment, something that's been trending in the news, and that is the popular a Netflix show called Umbrella Academy. And for those who aren't aware of it, Umbrella Academy is a, um, it started out as a comic book in 2007, written by um, Gabriel, Gabriel Ba from My Chemical Romance, the uh, alternative uh, rock group. And the show, and then it was made into a television show. It has become very popular and it's been picked up for season, uh, for a third season. So now what you have is you have a character on there, on there by the name of uh, Vanya, played 
by the formerly uh, Ellen Page, who now has um, changed her identity, uh, or Ellen Page, I should say, has changed the identity, and now it is Elliot Page. He goes by Elliot Page, and he identifies as a woman. Now there was a little bit. Is it a full as a man? Change? Correct. As a man. Sorry. As a man. Yes. So, so Ellen has become Elliot fully. Yes. Okay. In yeah now in um, the transformation, if there's going to be one, hasn't happened. So in other words, if there's been physical transformation, I don't know about. It. So it's been the identity. So in other words. Uh, formerly Ellen now identifies as Elliot. And I'm trying to be as sensitive uh, as I can because I don't want to offend anybody with this because it's been a bit of a sensitive topic for some folks because people feel that Elliot Page should not be on Umbrella Academy because that um, role calls for Vanya to be a female. So there's been a little bit of there's been a little bit of pushback on that, and okay. so that's why it's been trending in the it's been trending in the news. Okay, all right, got it. So all you right. all, so you all get that. I mean, I'll tell you where I where I stand on it. I actually think it's um, actually I think it's fine for the role, I watch Umbrella Academy and I see nothing wrong with uh, Elliot continuing to go as uh, Vanya because I think they're going to explain it in the, uh, in the show. There's been talk that they're going to um, address it, so they're not gonna run away from it. And because of that, I say, okay, great. But you know, I mean, I necessarily I wouldn't want to see Brad Pitt play a role that is designated for Angelina Jolie. Let me let me tell you let me tell you something. First of all, you know I think if you want to use that comparison, I find Brad Pitt to be prettier than Angelina Jolie. He's right. a very pretty looking man. Okay. So I think I think with the makeup and a, and a wig. I don't think, and the other thing I want to point out All is right. that in American theater, in, in, in theater history, not American theater, in the history of the theater, they didn't used to use females for stage productions. They used men playing women. So this is not that unusual. This is not that crazy for one gender Fair to enough. play another gender. Fair now, enough. It show. What? Fair enough, but it hasn't happened in a while. I mean, I think because we've gotten smarter and inclusive with the times that we've brought women in. And so, I mean, I think the one thing that we probably should be careful about with this, and again, I'm trying to be as sensitive as I can because I'm new to this subject, is we don't want to take roles away from individuals. So in other words, if I'm a woman, and I'm up for a role, I might be a little bit upset if I lose out for a role that uh, the casting call calls for a man. 
I'm sorry, it calls for a woman and a man gets it. And Jack, you have experience with that. Like, what do you think about that? Am I way off base? You know, um, my issue, my issue with the entertainment industry has been, um, there was a show called The Golden Monkey. And it was a, it was a show in the seventies. It didn't last very long, but um, it was one of the few shows in which the main character was a man that was handicapped in a wheelchair. And the actor they chose was a man who was handicapped in a wheelchair. And I thought, how often do they have an actor play a role and, and they're completely unaware of the idiosyncrasies of that disability? Whereas if you get somebody who who is transgender, if you get somebody who is crippled, if you get somebody who is blind, that, that I mean, Marley Maitland showed how very important it is when you have somebody who's playing hearing impaired. Yes. That is hearing impaired, playing hearing impaired. It it is it is so much it's so much richer to watch that happen. And for so many years, I mean American studios at one point even had American actors like Mickey Rooney play Asians in movies. Well, yeah, I mean, oh, because, yeah. I mean, they were racist. It was ridiculous. Because they, right. just, because they were racist. Right. So, I mean, I get that. I get all that. Right. I think bending the storyline to accommodate this change would not only be a, at least a curiosity thing, but it also would be a statement. And I think it's a statement they should make, especially in these times. They, this is a statement that should be made. Paco, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, like I was going to go with what you were saying. I mean, yellow face, I mean, this is, it opens the, a lot of, uh, it definitely opens a can of worms. And it's like, did anybody complain about Gary, about Daniel Day-Lewis when he did My Left Foot? That's a tough one because Daniel Day-Lewis is such a method actor. Just to put things in perspective, he played a character that was covered in tattoos. And instead of having him drawn on, he got tattooed. And then spent years having him be removed. Daniel Day-Lewis is a different cat. I mean, when he played Lincoln, he insisted on being referred to as President Lincoln on set. Okay, character. We're missing the point here, and we're getting way swaying, way off of topic. And I wouldn't compare Daniel Day-Lewis, the situation with him, as far as people complaining, because Daniel Day-Lewis is not a minority. No, but it goes, but it it goes back to that interesting question because it, going back to the whole topic of sexual orientation here. So, like, people have talked about like you know straight uh, straight actors playing you know homosexual or lesbian characters, and then the vice versa. <laughs> I mean, and this is where I think this is where the topic sprung from, because before she became before he became Elliot Page, Ellen Page was an out lesbian and she had been out since 2014. Now, this is but then some. So this causes a bit of a confusion here, because for the longest time, she's been considered a woman and I've seen her in her roles and she's always had that strong feminine quality. Now you have this. uh, Now you have her changing. Now you have her changing her identity and it opens up a can of worms, so to speak. And I was talking to some people about this recently at work, and also like uh, somebody on uh, Ben Shapiro brought this up on his own podcast. Now, does this? Here's my question. So, she's wait a minute. Let me stop you. What is the can of worms? So, because you just sped by that stop sign. So, what what can of worms does does it open up before you go into 
something new? Because I'm curious. I want you. To, I want you to finish your thought. What how inclusive are we going to get? Or how inclusive do we have to be? That's my question. I think we have to be very. That that's a good question. I think we have to be very inclusive. You can't because just... no, because if you are a transgender, if you're a transgender individual, you feel displaced. And I don't want to speak for any transgenders. I, I have talked to them, but I, I'm just going to throw this out there. I believe from the people that I've spoken to, they feel very displaced and they feel underrepresented when they turn on the television. Let me ask you something, Corey. So the definition of a transgender person, is it, um, because I'm, my mode of thinking is on the biological side of things. So by a lot, to, so when you at, when you interact, because I've, I've never, I've only met one person who was considered transgender and that was a long time ago. But, with the way he the way that that person explained it to me was that it was from a biological perspective for example like uh you not know not now not now when did that person say that that was that was you that was okay. a long time ago that was like 11 yeah, years ago so so, no. so throw that out throw that out what they said that's 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 not true now that's buff transgender could be transgender can be as simply as if i decided to come on the air next week and say, I identify as a woman, call me Corina. <laughs> wow. No, but I mean, but that is how well, it that is. Would, that would explain the hair plugs. <laughs> that would explain, I, don't I don't have the hair plugs yet. Not yet. But I mean, the whole long hair thing, I'm going to start braiding it soon. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'll never get hair that long. Oh, my goodness. Not with that attitude, you won't. No. <laughs> but um, no, but that it just. Yeah, so, I mean, anyone, anyone can choose to. It's about choice. So this is what we. This is the thing that we have to um, acquiesce to. All of us is gender is becoming outdated. A choice is becoming a choice now for folks. You disagree. I do. Okay, you disagree. Why? I think it's a boundary and a category that, you know, is set. Because you can't, I mean, you can't just, you know, turn on a whim and say, decide to suddenly decide today that you feel like a man or feel like a woman. This is, you yourself had probably felt like this. I mean, not like, not personally, but like on a uh, commercial side of things. For example, my dad works in a high school district. So... Five or six, uh, up like five years ago, that's when they started having unisex bathrooms. Now, their fear was if people were gonna were going to exploit that, but obviously that that probably leads to prejudice because what if the people were just it was just the guys trying to creep up on the girls in the bathroom? So, so, but you have a major argument. What is your argument? You're saying that it can't be, which I find fascinating. You're saying that people can't make the choice and can't decide that they want to be female a man can't do that or, or vice versa you're saying people can't do that i'm going from a biological perspective as in the plumbing now i understand about the biological thing and the plumbing but what i'm saying is it's a mindset and people are focusing on the mindset but if you do that then every then all right let's be frank about this let's go back to elliot here so before she, when she was ellen she preferred women She's married to a woman. 
So does that make her right. a straight? What does she? That make her a straight male now? Hey, hang on a second, Ellen. You're talking about Ellen DeGeneres. I'm talking about Ellen Page El, or Elliot Ellen, Page. Oh, okay. Yeah. Ellen. Yeah. So. Uh, That's why. No, I, it makes that, it makes that individual. It makes it makes Elliot trans or. I don't even know because I'm not up on all of the terms. It may be another particular term, but right now it's transgender. That's what Elliot is referring to. Oh, this is this is actually an interesting turn of events because I rarely am the foremost authority on this show when it comes to this stuff. But working in the industry I work in, there's a lot of people that I've worked with over the years that were utterly confused about the direction their parents and family pushed them into when they were gay and they were told, you know, one day you'll meet a nice girl, you'll get married, you'll have kids. And they assumed that's the path and they couldn't understand why they preferred GI Joe over Barbie. And when little boys found Barbie appealing, this little boy found GI Joe appeal. And just to kind of keep this thing in a nice little tight package, I have spoken to many, many people who grew up believing that their thoughts and desires were wrong, when in fact, we are now discovering that sexuality is like handedness. It's like some people are right-handed and 10% of people are left-handed. About 10% of the population is gay. And that's a, that's an ongoing, consistent fact. And yeah. These people are being told from childhood how nice one day you'll marry, meet a nice man and get married. You'll meet a nice girl, you'll have kids. And they're not feeling that. They're feeling like they'd like to date RuPaul or something. Yeah, RuPaul. Or, you know, I, they, they wake up and they decide, I, I, don't, I don't want to identify. There are individuals who have told me they don't want to identify as a man or a woman. I've had days like that, you know, and and they refer to themselves as X or, you know, a letter or even uh, or them they or they yeah. or them. Right. Yeah, I mean, and Preferred you know, pronouns. it's something that we we have to bend with the times, no matter how confusing it is to us. I say, if it gets somebody through the day, it lowers your depression, it stops you from crying. It makes you feel better. Then I say, what the hell? Karen Karen and I just watched a movie that I wasn't particularly enthusiastic about watching. But uh -huh. I, the only thing I got from this movie was called The Boys in the Band. And okay. it was about like 1968 New York. And Jim Parsons from Big Bang Theory stars in it. Yeah. And the whole movie doesn't really have a plot. But it it depicts how very difficult it was to be a gay man in New York in the 60s and hiding it so as you didn't get, you know, exploited or targeted or abused or, or misunderstood. And now how very little people understood about homosexuality to the point yeah. where they would have to act like they were throwing parties in which they invited women and the women, quote, couldn't make it. So it was just the guys at the party, and then they'd be line dancing in the living room. Sure. I mean, I mean, look, how many, uh, 
I mean, how many actors that have to hide things? You know, Cary Grant had to hide. Not, 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 not Cary Grant. Rock Hudson. Not Rock Hudson. No, 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 no. Read up on Cary Grant. Read really? up on him. Yes. And Is even this the same guy who was married to Diane Cannon? Even with his five marriages. Read One up of those on marriages him. was to Diane Cannon. Yeah, I mean, I don't care. I mean, she was Farrah Fawcett before Farrah Fawcett was Farrah Fawcett. Yeah, but I don't. I, that doesn't matter if you're not attracted to her. You're not attracted to. Her. But Rock Hudson, Rock Hudson had to have been the biggest hypocrite. Oh, I and, see. Randolph Scott, right? Randolph Scott. According to this, uh, what? No, go, go, go. This is right here. Cary Grant lived with after Randolph Scott on and off for 12 years, which some claimed was a gay relationship. The two met on uh, early in Grant's career in 1932 at the Paramount Studios when they were filming Skybird, and then Grant was shooting Sinners in the Sun, and they moved in together afterwards. That certainly points to you being right, Corey. I did not know that. I thought that he was one of the Lotharios of Hollywood. No, there's a lot of actors and actresses that went through it. Okay, let me ask you well, this. No, okay, so um, Barbara Stan Barbara Stanwyck was another one. What uh Ronnie that McDowell that had to deal with that. I mean, there's so many actors. I've got one to- for you. I've got one for you that came directly from Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds. What? Yeah. Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Carrie believe- Fisher did a stand-up routine and talked briefly about the shock about how her mom liked women. Mm-hmm. And she went through these marriages to appease the studios. Sure. Arranged marriages. But what I liked about Hollywood back then was their open secrets and they didn't tell they didn't tell anybody. You know, Robert Reed on the uh Brady Bunch, everybody knew and they kept it quiet. Um now you Dick see, Spartan, you see, I, I have always said since about season two or three of the Big Bang Theory, that they would have done the show's storyline justice if Sheldon was very a matter of fact about the fact that he liked men, whereas mom, the religious fanatic, finds Amy Farrah Fowler and decides that's the perfect woman for him. And he can't seem to get through to his mom that he likes men. I thought that would have been because he was clearly a gay man. Even when you watch the show from the beginning, he was clearly a gay man. And I think that that storyline, I think Chuck Lorre really missed an opportunity to show the struggles that gay men have with parents that are, first of all, religious fanatics, and second of all, refusing to listen and living in denial. Sure. I mean, I can only imagine what it would have been like, you know, to be a, a Hollywood actor and you're terrified about losing work because of your choice on who you want to sleep with and who you have in your bedroom. I mean, the pressure that some of them must have, you know, must have felt. Now, I've talked to you, Corey, you know, between us, like when we've spent time off the air, um, and I... I don't have an issue with it. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't have an issue with it. I. I don't know why people are are bothered that they, you know they believe this is the right way. This is the wrong way. You know the fact is, you know, ten percent of everyone is gay. 
And that's just a fact. It's a fact. You know what? I bet it's more than, and I bet it's more than that. And it doesn't matter. I don't even care right. about percentages. I, I've, I think, talked to, I've talked to you about being out with fellow actors mm -hmm. and being steered toward the gay part of town for them to go have a drink. And I, or what? But I can go into one of those places with a gay man and nobody is sitting there saying, yeah, maybe him. <laughs> like, like, I don't know why, but I don't give off that vibe. And nobody well, sits there and says, hey, would you like to go somewhere and have a drink? Nobody, like, I almost am insulted. Like, like hey, wait a second. Well, I it's the uninformed, him, I it's can't the uninformed guy. It's the uninformed guy that thinks that if he goes into a gay bar or something like that, that he's going to be hit on. That he's automatically going to be hit on because that the gay men are going to find him attractive. But I don't even want to get off on that point. Um, just going back to transgender uh, transgender things and Paco to address with things is that, you know, nowadays people want to belong and people feel displaced. And so they want to choose who they want to be. And they don't necessarily want to conform to what they think is um, mainstream society. And they don't like it. And that's fine. And that's their right. Well, here's the thing, Corey. I think we are at a time in history where people's choices, the way people live their lives, the, 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 the direction people want to, you know, have their sexuality go, has never been more accepted than it is now. Agreed. I think we are definitely making progress, but we got a long way to go. I think we're we're rounding the first pole, and there's still we still got to get to the half, you know, to, to that half quarter, you know. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I mean, we're we're seeing representation now. We're seeing on uh, television shows like there's a number of Christmas specials where the couples are gay. So you're seeing that. So, you know, I think the more people see it, the more the, the more they will get used to it. I, I think and we're broadening our, our spectrum on what we are willing to accept. If that's not your thing, then it's not your thing. Move on. Right. Just let somebody else do it. It's not your thing. Nobody's telling you what to do with your, just, just that's it. I think we wrap it up there. Yeah, I think that's a good place to uh, leave it. Let's jump into sports quickly. I know we're coming up with list because I'm a big fan of list. Uh, I know on the other show we were coming up with list about movies. You know we've done it here, but the other podcast that you and I well, do. Wait a second. Let's do let's do a quick commercial break. Come back in about a minute and a half, and um, and then we'll come in. We'll do we'll do our sports. So that'll get a chance to get a sponsor in there. So I was checking into barnone1.com and seeing all that they offer. Barnone, the number one.com. They have certified and qualified professional bartenders and servers that make party guests feel like they're living the high life. Barnone can be contacted at 619-952-9414, and that will be the first step to getting your event on track. Bar None will help you prepare the kind of event that is greater than you imagined. They've done this for years and they know what they're doing. So they can answer your questions and guide you to a successful and memorable event. Call Bar None at 
888-900-9414 and let them handle these details so that your guests have a great time with a professional server who knows how to take care of their guests. Now, they know how to make your guests feel like they're going to have a great time in part because the work that Bar None does for an event is unparalleled. Call Bar None at 619-952-9414 and get the process started for your next event with Bar None. Tell them JV to the pros sent you. And we are back with JV to the pros, season two, episode 49. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey. And we are going to wrap up today's show with one of our more fun segments where we get to play with lists and we get to manipulate numbers and we get to pretend and fabricate that we know what's best and who's at the top of the list. Although Corey and I agreed on a lot of, a lot of the baseball stuff. You know, Corey's not an expert on baseball, but Corey, we're doing a little basketball this week, and you are the basketball. You know basketball like I know baseball, but I'm going to I'm gonna tread water with you. I'm going to hang in there as long as I can, and anything I say that's wrong or stupid, you can just keep to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. You can, you can just tell me. <laughs> so, well, see, here's the thing is uh, it's not, you know, it's not stupid. It's, you know, people have different lists, and, you know, and – uh, I did. I may disagree with them, and I uh, and I respect it. I can disagree. You're gonna, you're gonna have to tell me how good my list of players and my list of teams in the grand spectrum of things. You're gonna need to tell me how close to the middle of the bullseye I hit. All right. So I'll go first with team with um, with players, and then you can go first with teams. So we'll my list... do play. Yeah, you do players first. Yeah, so I will go ahead. Now, with let me my, ask you something. Are you picking? Are you picking your five greatest players? Yeah, in my opinion, yes. In my opinion, what I believe to be the five are greatest. Are you having? Players. Are you having any any bench players? Like, if this were a pickup game, are you having a couple no, of bench I players? No, I don't operate that way. No, no. I have two bench. I have two bench players. Okay, I mean, you. I'm just sure you, you guys get tired. All right, you do what you do, but I okay. uh, <laughs> mine is the greatest uh, greatest players of all time. I don't do it about who who can beat who in a pickup game. Um, so all right, uh, in number five I have Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, formerly Lou Alcindor, um, was uh, considered the player of the '70s, so a player of the decade in the '70s. Now you put it. Now you're 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 putting a team out on the hardwood, right? Um, no, I'm not putting a team. Um, here's the thing. I'm saying the greatest players of all time, the greatest players. I'm not putting together a team. Okay, okay. Because I I kind of put together a team. There's not a so team. Go ahead. All, all right. right. So Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a million titles in college, got out. And also has uh, a six a six time champion, um, scoring records all over the place. Uh, tremendous player had the most unstoppable shot in the history of basketball, and that was his sky uh, his skyhook. Skyhook. No one has ever Even been able that. to replicate that. Yes, no yeah. one has ever been able to replicate that. Does he still Does he still own the record for the most points? Scored ever? No, no, that's been broken. That's been broken. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, number four, um, again, Bill Russell, 
I have 11 titles. That should say it all. 11 titles. I mean, <laughs> I mean, who's going to do that? Um, it'll never happen again. Yeah, it'll never happen again. Greatest point guard who ever lived, Magic Johnson. I have it number three. Number two, everyone says he's the greatest basketball player of all time. That's Michael Jordan. Um, certainly the most influential basketball player of all time. But I have number one, the most disrespected sports figure, I think, in our history, and that's Wilt Chamberlain, the guy who doesn't get any sort of props, and a lot of times he's not in the top 10, but his records will never be broken. And they had to change basketball rules because of him. So that's my top five of greatest players of all time. All right, let me, let me ask you something, because if you had to have two guys on the bench, off the top of your head, you know basketball better than I do by a, by a long shot. Because I'll tell you what, you just made me glow when you hear my list. But go ahead. Who would you who would you grab? Who would you grab two guys into the bench? Okay. Well, since I'm not doing a team because I have a whole bunch of centers, um, and no small forwards, so. Um, if I was going with a bench player, see that, I mean, I might have a couple of these guys on the bench. So, but I mean, I could go in a lot of different directions. I mean, I could have Kobe Bryant. I could have LeBron James. I could have Oscar Roberts, Robertson, you know, Elgin Baylor. Uh, there's a lot of different guys that I could, you know, that I could go with. So it just, it just depends. Okay, fair enough. I got to tell you, I'm I'm much prouder of my list than I was before you began reading yours, because okay. I don't know basketball like you do, but I don't know I don't know that I'll fare nearly as well with the teams. But I'm really That's proud fair. of my list. Of the, here's my here's my players. Okay, I got I got my number one the number one player I think of all time is LeBron James. I think we're okay. witnessing something we'll never see again. He's phenomenal. Okay. Mm -hmm. I got Will Chamberlain. All right. Who I agree with you. I think he's overlooked. It's not that I know I know nothing about basketball, but I know enough to realize he's not in the conversation often enough. Yeah. I got Magic Johnson. Sure. Okay. And here's where we go off a little bit. I got Kobe Bryant as one of my five all-time greats. All right. Even though he hated passing. <laughs> I mean, right. If it's about passing, I'll take Charles Barkley. Um, and Bill Russell. Those would be my five. My two bench players were Shaq and Jordan. Okay. It's not a bad list, huh? No, it's a good, it's a good list. It's a good list. It's about how what you feel. You know, I don't hammer people because they may disagree with me. I mean, there are some people who feel that Jabbar shouldn't be as high as he is. And, and Michael Jordan should be number one. So, you know, it's all opinion, different eras, different well, things. You and, I, you and I agree that Jordan had a great deal of success with an extreme supporting cast of the Scottie Pippen and Rodman and all that. And he was also playing in a very 
very diluted NBA at the time. Okay, so let me stop you there. Um, I would say no um, with Jordan because this is where I would defend Jordan. The older version of Michael Jordan played with those stacked teams. But early on, his first seven years, he was by himself. In his second season against one of the greatest teams of all time, he put up 63 points on that 86 Celtic team. If you ever want to see something spectacular, watch the game on YouTube with him, a young Michael Jordan, 22 years old, destroying the Celtics. And there was, no, there, was no one that, there was no one that could guard him. You are boosting no. my – I may send you flowers tomorrow. The 86 Celtics, I always considered – and they're on my list, but we'll get to the teams in a minute. But but yeah, I thought Jordan. I thought Jordan was really fortunate. Uh, he was he was a, a, a beneficiary of of circumstances in the NBA. No, but no, he wasn't though. No, he came up in the era where there were two dynasties going on. With the, you still had the Lakers. You were right in the middle. He came right and in the, the Celtics. Middle. Yes, the Lakers and the Celtics, and then he also had to deal with the Pistons. And the tail end. So that's why it took him seven years to get a championship. He was by himself. Like I said, if you watch the Bulls, that Bulls team that I'm talking about, you realize that they were under 500. And he came back from a gruesome uh, leg injury and brought them into the playoffs. And they played the Celtics, that great Celtic team. And there was nothing they could do with Jordan. Jordan averaged 40 points in that series. 40. I mean, not 30, 40 against the Celtics. They could not guard him. So you'd put Jordan on the hardwood before Kobe? Oh, yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah, there was now, nothing. Now, now, now do, do, do you, you put Jordan at his best, LeBron at his best? You think LeBron doesn't take Jordan? I no, think just I physically, think I just physically, I think he manhandles Jordan. He's a lot bigger well, than again, Jordan. Again, I don't get into the one-on-one -on -one type of thing because I don't think that makes you a better basketball player because you can have a big guy play a little guy. That doesn't mean that he's better in one-on-one. -on -one. But Jordan, there was nothing that Jordan could do, couldn't do on the basketball court. His leaping ability was unlike anything we had ever seen. When he decided to pass, when he decided to rebound, I mean, when he, when he decided to, when he decided to push off for the winning bucket, all of those. <laughs> I mean, there was nothing. There was nothing that man couldn't do, and he Utah was. I never got over that. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not just Utah. I mean, he just he crushed everybody. Yeah, he was I mean, a clutch. He was a clutch Derek Jeter type player. He was oh, a guy who came through him. in the moment. That's an insult to compare him to Derek Jeter. He's uh, <laughs> the baseball equivalent. He's far better than Jeter, the equivalent. No. Wow. Far better, far superior. Far wow. superior. This guy. Okay, was, we're not going to compare sports because it's it's different yeah. skill sets. As Jordan found out. But I'm as saying Jordan found out when he went to go play baseball. <laughs> no, but I'm saying don't compare. But if you're saying the equivalent, he is not Derek Jeter is not Michael Jordan. Well, I was comparing him in the clutch, Jeter in the clutch. They were really the same kind of clutch players, always coming through in the clutch. 
I mean, you can count on them. Whereas an A-Rod or somebody like that just buckled yeah. in the in the clutch. So that's what so give me So give me your teams. Okay. I'm hoping to impress you. I'm sorry, you don't have to impress me. Go I got the 86 Celtics. Uh-huh. I got the 91 Pistons. Okay. I got the 88 Lakers. Okay. The 95 Bulls. All right. And the 70 Knicks. All right. Okay. Tell me what you think. All right. So I will tell you this. The um, 91, the 91 Pistons lost to the, um, lost to the Bulls. They were swept. They were swept by the Bulls in the uh, conference finals. So that one, that one you might want to rethink as one of the greatest teams of all time. Okay, fair enough. Um, but uh, although I was a fan of Lambeer, yeah, but they couldn't do anything by that time. Jordan had matured, his body had matured, and so did Pippen, and so did Grant. There was no stopping that team. No stopping that team. All right. So, so I, missed, I missed the mark on that one. That's okay. Yeah, that's, that's okay. okay. You, that's you okay. were thinking of you were thinking of the ninety Pistons, probably. So Isaiah change ninety one. Yeah. So change ninety one to ninety Pistons because they won the championship. And they beat. You know what? You're, you're exactly right because I was thinking of Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Yeah. So I okay. feel you. Yeah. And was that the one against the Lakers? Yes. That's the one I was thinking of. Yes, and they beat okay. the, and they beat the Bulls to get there. It so, was the ninety team. I missed it by a year, but it was the ninety team, is what I meant. Yeah. So okay. I, I I knew what you meant, really. I knew I knew what you meant. Just having a little fun with me, like I do to yep. Paco. Just having, a, <laughs> just having a little, uh, just having a little fun. Um, what did you think of the '88 Lakers? '88 Lakers by then were hanging on by a thread. Hanging on by a thread uh, by that team. They barely beat the Pistons, barely were able to hold off the Pistons. But um, I'll give you mine. Um, I, too, have the 86 Celtics because they were, uh, they were dominant. They lost one game in the Boston Garden. One game. That's how dominant they were. You couldn't beat them. So we agree on the 86 Celtics. We agree 100% on the 86 Celtics. Tremendous. Um, I have the 83 Sixers on there because that team for that year had the most dominant player in the league, and that was Moses Malone. They lost one game in the playoffs. They swept right through, swept everybody, and lost one game in the playoffs. And they started out before they started resting their players. Get this, fifty and four. I'll say it again, fifty and four. And then they rested their players. Wow. Wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I have the twenty seventeen Warriors, and that was with Kevin Durant and Curry. Yes, and Curry. And the rest of those guys. Um, well, Durant, the Durant was the MVP, I think. Yeah. And yeah. Durant was just um, a seven-foot guy that could shoot like that and dribble. Unguardable. Then I have the Bulls. I have the 92 Bulls. 
I've never seen a team play defense like that. A young Jordan, a young uh, a young Pippen, a young um, Bill Cartwright, who they tr- who they got from the New York Knicks because they traded Charles Oakley, which was the smartest thing they could do, was to get um, Oakley uh, was to ship Oakley out and get Bill Cartwright. Well, let me ask you something. Which which was the um, which was the team that went seventy two and nine or something? Yeah, seventy two and nine. Uh, that was the 96 Bulls that people love. I didn't like that team as much because I didn't like the competition and Jordan was older. Jordan couldn't do the things that he could do in 1992. Well, you see, so words, once again, I was off by a year. I was thinking of the team that went 72 and 9. No, you, you yeah, you were just off by a year. But that's yeah. okay. I knew what you meant. I knew what okay. you meant by that. Yeah, I mean, a great team. A lot of people love them. Now, I'll tell you this. My, what I consider to be the all-time greatest team was the 85 Lakers. That's when you still had a young, spry Magic Johnson, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Michael, Michael Cooper. I mean, Bob McAdoo. They were loaded. Do you realize that that team had not one, but five Hall of Famers on that team? Five. I'll tell you what, I didn't know you were that impressed um, because I, I can't, don't ask Paco, I can't tell you where, but I had spent some time at a resort with Dr. Bus, and uh-huh. as, a, as a gift, I had gotten um, a picture of um, uh, Malone from that 2003 Lakers team when Malone joined the Lakers. Oh yeah, Carl Malone. Yeah, yeah. And I got I had gotten a picture of that entire team autographed by all the players, and I gave it to uh, the man I consider to be my older brother from another mother, uh, my buddy Bob and Bobby still has that framed in his office because he thought that team was going to create a whole new dynasty. Ah, yeah. Um, it didn't, it didn't work out, but, but Malone no. went there to get a championship. Yeah. You know, it was almost like he was ordering on Amazon. <laughs> he, he went to go pick up his championship. <laughs> what impressed, one of the things that impressed me about the uh, Lakers, 85 Lakers, um, they only lost two games in the playoffs that year. And they went into um, the Boston Garden and got the championship. And that was the first time they were the first team to beat the Celtics and win the championship on the Boston, uh, uh, in the Boston Garden. Well, you know, when you were describing that 85 team, again, I don't know basketball as well as you do, but in my mind, those were Cooper and those were the players I had in my head. And I was thinking it was the 88 team. So I may have been thinking of the 85 team because I remember get when I just got done with college, I was like, I was like, this team is unbelievable. All the parts are in place. I don't even yeah. follow basketball. This is phenomenal. So you like to talk about bench players. So appreciate this. They brought two Hall of Famers off the bench. 
the great Bob McAdoo and Michael Cooper. Those were bench players. That's oh, how wow. stacked that, that's how stacked that team was. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two Hall of Famers. Two Hall of Famers on the bench. Right. Okay. So they're warming the bench and they're going to the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yes. And they're going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, you yeah. talk about greatness. That's great that's greatness. Yeah, that was complete uh that was complete greatness. And you know, um sometimes you have to look at also with these teams like who's in the Hall of Fame, like the 83, the 83 Sixers, they have four Hall of Famers. That uh, that team had four Hall of Famers. See, I, I didn't have the Sixers on my radar at all, and that in part is because I haven't followed basketball like you have. But when I yeah. think of the Sixers, I think of Dr. J. Yeah, well, he was, he was on that team. The, uh, what made that satisfying was Dr. J um, had gotten to the finals four times in seven years. I was living in Philly at the time. They could not beat the Los Angeles Lakers with Magic Johnson. Yeah, but look, yeah I was going to say, look what the Lakers, look at the guns they had. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't beat the Lakers. So what the owner, Howard Katz, did said, you know what? I'm tired of this. Here's what I'm going to do. He went out and got Moses Malone, put Moses Malone on that team, and everybody knew the Sixers were going to win at that point. It's like there's no way that the Sixers are going to lose. And they didn't. And they swept the Lakers with Moses Malone, swept them. So that was the missing part. That was the missing piece. Wow. And actually, I stand corrected with that team. They had five Hall of Famers. Maurice Cheeks, Bobby Jones, who came off the bench, uh, Julius uh, Julius Irving, Moses Malone. No, that's four. I'm sorry, that's four. They had four. <laughs> I was going to get you an abacus for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. So they had, uh, yeah, they had four. They had four. Again, um, not as stacked as the '85 Lakers. No, not as no. Uh, not as stacked, um, but. One of the most dominant teams that I've ever seen. Like I said, they started out fifty and four, that's and then just, that's just so ridiculous. Yeah, and the coach. And those four, those four losses, had to be either from exhaustion or just simply looking past that game and got caught in their heels. Well, you know, they were the first team to start out resting players because. The controversy with the Sixers was, hey, listen, let's break the record um, for most wins, and let's go in the 70 wins. Everybody thought, everybody knew they were going to get the 70 wins, but the coach, Billy Cunningham, Hall of Famer, um, said, you know what? We're not going to do that. We're about winning. Hey, wait, the coach might have been that fifth guy you were talking about. <laughs> so they started resting. they started resting their players. So they could be fresh for the playoffs, and then they blew through everybody. They swept the Knicks. Um, they lost one game to the Milwaukee Bucks, and then they faced the uh, the Lakers, and then they just they dusted the Lakers. Did, did they hit their seventy mark? No, they hit sixty five, and it frustrated everybody in Philadelphia because, um, like, they would have the games where they didn't play uh, Malone, Irving. 
cheeks, and then a game where Tony would rest. So they were resting all of their players. Well, or or they, they would only play the fact that their 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 goal was the championship. That's the reason because, they were assembled. Yeah, because Doc was thirty-two years old at the time. Yeah, but 32. I'm thinking I'm thinking seventy wins and no championship right. really defeats the purpose of the season. And Doc had said um, thirty because he turned he was thirty-two going on thirty-three. And he said, you know, I've done everything that there is to do in basketball, but win a championship. He said, that's all I care about. I don't care about anything else. So, so getting, getting them rested and getting 65 and blowing through the playoffs, that was exactly the formula that yeah. worked. It was, yeah. It was the right thing. It was the right thing to do um, with that. And like I said, the Lakers couldn't handle Moses Malone. They couldn't handle him. And they threw everybody at him, and he just blew through everybody. Yeah, that, so. that's that's you see, that's the kind of that's the kind of information that I will retain because that because now I won't forget that I was actually in love with the '85 Lakers. I just was probably partying a lot during my college days. <laughs> yeah, that team lost track of, lost track of which Lakers. That team was that team was amazing, absolutely amazing. And if you want to know, if you don't know about Bob McAdoo, I'll give you the best comparison of Bob McAdoo. Hall of Famer, top 50 player of all time is Kevin Durant. So think Kevin Durant back then. That was Bob McAdoo. Wait a second. Kevin Durant literally can walk and drag his knuckles on the ground. The guy's got a wingspan that's unbelievable. Yes. Look up Bob McAdoo. He was the same guy. A 6'11 guy who could play center power forward and who could shoot from the outside and could rebound. And he led a guy like that in the hall of fame. And he led the league in scoring. Oh, did he? So, Yeah. Several times. So when the Lakers added him in 1982, I was like, Oh my God, the Sixers have no chance. I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So, when that was like the Warriors, when they got Durant, that was the same thing with the Lakers. And then, by the way, with the Lakers, so in '82, they get um, uh, Bob McAdoo, right? And then, guess what? They had the number one pick in the league overall, and they drafted James Worthy. If you can believe that, a team that wins the championship, the NBA championship, they get the number one pick overall. I, I don't, I don't like. That system in the NBA, I don't like it at all. I don't think that if you win the championship, you should have any shot at the number one pick. Well, what happened was they had Jerry, the great Jerry Buss, had made a series of trades. And he had a pick from Cleveland. And it turned out to be the number one pick. Oh, okay. So it wasn't the lottery balls in the the hopper like, like they do now. Right. No, no, that was okay. that was one pick. I hate the fact that a team could win the championship and if their ping pong ball pops out, they, even if they have a one in sixty-five chance, they can still get the number one pick having just won the championship. No, so that's why the Sixers said we've got to do something. They have now James Worthy, the number one pick overall, Hall of Famer, top fifty player of all time. They're like, oh my God. Now we've got to deal with James Worthy. Right. 
you got to be worthy of going up against worthy. Exactly. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. If you're in the basketball, definitely. I held, I held my own in a basketball conversation. <laughs> you, held, you held your own. And if you want, I'm willing to do hockey. I know not many people talk about hockey, but I'm a big hockey fan growing up uh, in Philadelphia. Well, I'll tell you what. You want to do hockey after the New Year's game? Uh, after New Year's? Yeah, after the New you know, the game that's played outdoors on New Year's Day? We can. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm open why to it. Why don't we do hockey right okay. after that game is played? So that'll be like three days of three or four days after that outdoor game. Because I get a kick out of that outdoor game. Yeah, I think, that's, I think that's real hockey right there. It's like hockey, like I played when I was living in Toronto. That's hockey. Yeah, I'm I'm a big I'm a big hockey guy too. So I'll I'll uh, I'm happy to talk happy to talk hockey. Okay, we'll do it. We will do it. All right, guys. I would say that was a really really informative, great show tonight. I seriously would like to pat everybody on the back, including Paco, for knowing to stay in his lane for that last segment. You got it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that is Season 2, Episode 49 of JV to the Pros. You can contact us at Gmail, JV to the Pros, all spelled out, at gmail.com. Facebook, JV to the Pros, all spelled out. Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, um, Spotify, and pretty much anything else you could possibly think of. But we would like to see comments and compliments on our Facebook page, and Corey and I are, are going to put out some pictures of us doing some goofy stuff all around town, and we're probably going to uh, take care of that maybe next week when we have time. With the holidays upon us, it's going to be a little tough, but we'll figure it out. Yes. Corey, the Iron yes. Man Ramsey, what do you say we wrap this thing up and put a bow on it and put it under the tree? Yes, we'll put a bow on it. And for next week, we have a, a treat for you guys. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but we have something fun for everybody. Um, and this is, I'll just say that it's fan-based and something that one of our biggest fans came up with. And we'll let you know who that is and what that fan did next week for episode 50. You are such a tease. Okay. Yes. All right. Little little something. We're going to get to open up a gift a little early this year. Yes, we are. And, guys, I'm going to get out of here for Robin with the Y and with Paco, last man standing. I got to go and see if I can catch that monolith. So I'm going to, <laughs> to exit stage left here. <laughs> Good night, Corey. Good night, guys. Night. Hey, Paco. Good job. I'm going to sign off. I'm going to sign off for uh, Karen, the Queen of Queens, our co-producer, and myself, and Paco, the last man standing, will be in charge of making sure this is clipped and clopped just right. You got it, guys. All right, my man. Take care. I will see you soon.